Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Can I tell you, can I tell you what place I would resurrect? It's not necessarily just because, like you said, restaurants are kind of hard. I think the one, um, if we're going to stick with that prompt, I would definitely resurrect Sweet Tomatoes. It's a, uh, <gasps> yeah. You ain't got to tell me. Yeah. We lost them during the pandemic. I that was soul crushing. I grew up going to Sweet Tomatoes in Arizona pretty religiously, and my favorite thing is it's just an ice cream sundae bar bacon wrapped in a salad bar. Like they lead dog you with the salad bar and you got to get through that to prove you're worthy, and then you get to the back and it's just like mac and cheese and putting a brownie at the bottom of the bowl and covering it with soft serve. It is all things that are good. Biscuits, uh, and all kinds of cheese combinations, all kinds of bread combinations, all kinds of good tasty soups. Now, I tell oh, you what, the soups, Brandon. Now, now that brings me to its alternate name. Do you know its alternate name? No. So, sweet tomatoes in L.A. Soup plantation. No, <laughs> Mike. No, you it's can look not. It up. You can oh look it up. It's the same company. It's like rallies and checkers. Soup Plantation and Sweet Tomatoes. I do not like. <laughs> I do not like this. But you see that it's the, it's the God honest truth. Oh, no. It's up there. Like, oh, they like try and make it all one word to like cutesy connect the P and it's not cute. It's still a soup plantation. And and don't forget those they got milk on on like on Yes tap. they do. Yes they do. <laughs> they got milk on draft there. Two <laughs> percent milk on yeah. draft. <laughs> uh, oh, you guys you guys have hole on tap here? Oh man, the one in Beverly okay. Hills it's had like, hole. I'll just take I'll just take a bottle. It's cool. Twelve or twenty-two ounce? Uh, let's do twenty-two. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done with work for the day. I sent my last email. I'm gonna treat myself. Good morning. Welcome to Gojo. I'm Mike Gola Jr. With me as always. Brandon Newman. Brandon, did you survive yesterday's podcast once your wife heard it? <laughs> I did. It was all smiles around the house. It was one of those things where, like, as much as you insinuate a hard conversation was coming, she was all smiles, and I was kind of like, did she listen? I, I know she probably oh, did. Wow. And then And then she would just kind of, like, shortly little drop little things, and she was like, I thought Katie George was pretty great. And I was like, oh, so you did listen. That was the part after the part. Okay. Well, I mean, there was a social clip that went out from that one, though. So maybe she just caught um, that part. Stop, like, Stop. No, 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 no. She was she was, she was, was uh, complimenting uh, the Louisville native. Uh, shout out to her for, for coming through and, and uh, making us smart again on, on, on Formula One. But, yes, everything was smooth. Thank you as much as you trying to get me into hot water. Hot water. One of my other friends, uh, shout out Cody Langford. He texted me. He's like, "Hey, I see, I see your boy Mike toasting your ass up early on in the podcast this morning." It's like, man, he can try. He can try. I stand, Listen, I stand strong with mine. I I am just here to ask some questions. That's all <laughs> I'm going to do here, and we'll do plenty of that today. We got. Big questions to get to today. Um, you mentioned Louisville fame. We have got Louisville legend Eric Wood, mm. former college All-American there, and longtime Buffalo Bills center who's now the radio voice for the Bills, going to join us as the NFL schedule release is trickling out this week. The main release is Thursday night, but they're letting out little bits along the way. And the tidbit we got from yesterday was that the Bills and Titans are going to have a rematch on Monday Night Football Week two is a part of a doubleheader, so we'll get a little Bills breakdown of what that means and what this offseason has been like for the Bills now that they are the odds-on favorites, according to DraftKings, they're the Super Bowl favorites, so how that's changed things for them. We'll get to people mad online about the MVP race in the NBA as we saw the results of that 
coming out yesterday. And we will get to the most important headline on the internet, bar none, maybe from this past month, maybe the entire year of 2022 so far. I'm not (laughs) sure, but it involves Dolly Parton, Taco Bell. Let your imagination do the rest. But Brandon, the games last night, if I asked you this question, what was more surprising? The fact that the Boston Celtics would get a win on the road in large part because of Al Horford simply refusing to miss basketball shots and putting Giannis on a poster? Or that Steph Curry's 500th career playoff three, first player in NBA history to make 500 threes in the postseason, would come in a first half that the Warriors went 2 of 14 from beyond the arc. And those two threes came very close to the end of the half in a game where Steve Kerr was not on the bench because he was in protocol after feeling COVID symptoms and that the Warriors would ultimately win that game somehow, which would be more surprising to you. Watching the game, it feels like the Warriors' uh, bounce back was the most surprising thing. But Al Horford... Knocking off the rest, and we already talked about him always being a Boston Celtics here on this podcast, and he's right at home. But him dropping 30, uh, a playoff career high, eight rebounds. I think the most impressive part was six for six in in the fourth quarter uh, during that run. Al Horford being the most dominant big man in a game where Giannis and Brooke Lopez were also playing, I think that's the most surprising thing to me. I think so too, Brandon. Like we'll we'll get to Steph Curry and the Warriors because they were very much you know asleep at the wheel for the majority of this game, where Ja Morant was not playing and not in the lineup after the injury suffered in Game Three. But you're right. You look at Al Horford's stat line and you say, "All right, wow, thirty points." Him and Jason Tatum both tied for a team high thirty in this game. Jason Tatum was sensational during parts of the second half, hit some big time shots down the stretch. But then you look at it and go, all right, Al Horford, 11 for 14 in this game. Same thing. You think big man maybe got, no, five of seven from three. Al Horford was unconscious from beyond the arc and then had the moment of the game where, much like the rest of the playoffs, went in and absolutely crammed one on Giannis. And then, like the rest of the playoffs, where I feel like we've set a record for official reviews to see if the act constitutes a flagrant one, Mm. he went up dunked on him, and then somehow got a flagrant one for throwing an elbow on the way down into Giannis's face. Well, I, it was, it was kind of tic-tac, too, because uh, our tit-for-tat, tic-tac. It was tit-for-tat because early on in the game, you saw, I think the game switched when Giannis got that taunt that shouldn't have been a taunting call, that he got a taunting call for just for dunking on Al Horford, which at the time, it's like, no shit. Like Giannis should always dunk on on Al Horford. Well, and like, like players should be taunting and scowling. Like it's objectively right. cooler. In in the playoffs too. Like it was it was it was just like a little it was just like a little grimace. And then Al Horford made it worse by just shaking. He's like, oh nope, Mm-mm. not no, I'm not going to let you have that one. And then I think the game changed after that. Well, that was uh, Al Hor- was it Al Horford's sister who tweeted out the video of that part and said that's where she believes it changed too. Yes, yes, she said she's like he uh, something about I knew he was pissed off at this point in time, which also like who is afraid of a pissed off Al Horford? Not me. Even after the game he had, I I, I mean, what what does that mean? What is what does a pissed off Al Horford do? Uh, apparently drops 30 on your head and lets the Celtics grab one on the road. So that series tied up to a piece. And the biggest thing that stuck out to me, Brandon, was this was the game where it finally looked like Milwaukee missed Chris Middleton. Because if you remember Mm. down the stretch of their title run last year, we got into this thing where everyone wanted to do the Batman or Robin debate because Giannis is the two-time MVP. Giannis should have the ball in the waiting moments. But Chris Middleton is very much the offensive Swiss Army knife. He's the guy that can go get his own shot in the half-court set and give them someone to stress a defense in that way. Giannis was awesome. He went for over 30 in this game and was driving to the basket at will. 
but you kind of saw that wall that people build stymie him towards the end of that game, and, and they just couldn't buy a bucket. Like Pat Connaughton, shout out to Notre Dame's very own, had some yeah. big threes in this game. Him and Grayson Allen tried, but they just didn't have consistent enough shooting. And if Drew Holiday's not having one of those streaky nights, then that Chris Middleton presence felt big. I still think it ends up being Bucks and seven in this series, but this was the first time I really looked and said, all right, if they want to do the championship thing again, they're not going to be able to survive some of these tight late game moments without the benefit of Chris Middleton's shot making. Yeah, and I, when is he set to come back? Do we do we have any? I, that that's what I haven't heard yet. So he's been out since game two of I believe the Bulls series. So the last we'd seen on this uh, April twenty first, Adrian Wojnarowski, the ESPN in, uh, NBA insider tweeted that Chris Middleton had an MCL sprain in his left knee and was going to be reevaluated in two weeks. So that was you know, certainly coming from the last series against Chicago. So going to be really interesting to see what happens with that one. But he's been street closed and really no sign of coming back thus far and would be a huge, huge difference in this series and beyond you, if they it, make it that far. 100%. And obviously with NBA, we see that, you know, you need three – if it's not a big three, if it's not your classic big three with your big stars, you need three guys that are going to produce for you. And the Bucks have been leaning on Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton to get them to this point. Uh, shout out to Nikias Duncan, uh, Duncan of the uh, NBA writer. He tweeted out, Giannis was plus one tonight. Drew Holiday was n- minus 23. And Giannis played 10 more seconds than Drew. Dear God. So if if you're not going to get the production from one of your big three, Drew Holiday, who made, in my, from my vantage point, the biggest difference in that uh, championship run that they made last year, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to to beat a, a team like the Boston Celtics, regardless of of what Al Horford does, because. That team just doesn't give up. Well, and I mean, you could argue Al Horford's not even their third best player, right? Like, you're talking about a team that's got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and the defensive player of the year and Marcus Smart. Like, that's probably your top three. And then you have Al Horford with this kind of latent potential, though we may not think that that's going to be the case all the time in that. So... Then we had the nightcap. So we mentioned the shooting struggles for the Warriors in the first half. They somehow come back and win this game. Well, they don't somehow. John Morant wasn't playing for the Grizzlies. There was no way that the Memphis Grizzlies should have been able to win this game. But Golden State came out in this game, Brandon, and you'll remember this well. Our first couple of years at Notre Dame, 2008, 2009, we were not very good football teams then. It was the last couple of years of Charlie Weiss's tenure there, and we had glowing losses to teams like Syracuse and the Yukon Huskies on senior day in South Bend, Indiana, which is not a thing that should happen, but it's the very real phenomenon, even for us who weren't great teams, where there are just some helmets and some teams that you watch on tape during the week and you go, all right, well, man, like these guys are not good enough to beat us. Yeah, and then you no see them. team can beat us. Yeah, you see them warm up in pregame, and you're like, oh, this team's not going to beat us. And then you go out there with a little bit less juice than you normally would, and, well, shit, like every other team that came to Notre Dame Stadium, they play the game of their damn lives because this is their opportunity to come and ruin our day. And lo and behold, those teams with a bunch of effort and an interesting game plan went out there and made it hell. And it feels like the Warriors got caught that level of slipping and just figured, you know, we were bad football teams that were feeling like that. They are a team with a core that was part of one of the better dynasties we've seen in the 21st century. And they just figured, oh, we'll come out in third quarter Warriors them. They started the first half, I think, two of 14 from three. There's no way that would continue. And instead, we finished this game with the only two Warriors making double digit or making multiple three pointers being Steph Curry and Otto Bleeping Porter. That's it. Hey, that's why I pick up. That's why you make that pick. <laughs> that's why you pick up an, an Otto Porter. No, th- that is very, very surprising. And it's not like Memphis Grizzlies were were shooting lights out either. I think uh, I just saw in the post game they were nine for thirty five. From three point in in game four, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies as a team. So there wasn't a lot of great shooting, but Steph Steph Curry took over from from 
when he gets his little running layups and his his floaters and it's like oh Steph Curry is actually really good at basketball not just from shooting behind the arc like it's it's always nice to see that version of him but there's always that stink on him for me of not being a finals MVP therefore in the playoffs he does his version of disappearing from time to time now obviously they only need what they need from him when they need it from him and and that's how the Warriors get to where they're going and he's just the ultimate glue for that team but He's 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 never going to give you that that Giannis level closeout that that Giannis gave last year in the in the finals. I I, I disagree some in that just because we've seen Steph go supernova. But what you described in this team, like Steph, is really I think emblematic of what you see with this team in the postseason every once in a while, where they just kind of get disinterested because they know mm. we're we're supposed to win this game talent wise. We're better than this team without John Morant. They believe in the you know shot making of a backcourt that at one time looked like the two best shooters in NBA history, and just yeah. weren't even close to that. And quite frankly, haven't looked close to that during this series for most of the time. But they. They're going to, I mean, this series is over now. Even if John Morant comes back for game five, I think you're going to get a Warriors team with a little bit of renewed focus coming off this one. Because you saw Draymond Green was spitting fire the entire game. You talk about the connective tissue of that team. That guy was so pissed off because he saw, he felt what was happening to this team and couldn't stop it for the longest time. They just got lucky and were the beneficiary of a role player on the other team deciding it was his time to shine when clearly there was no shine left. That belongs to Dylan Brooks because mm-hmm. for the series in three games, Dylan Brooks is now 9 of 44 from the field and 3 of 21 from three. Just refused to stop shooting in this game. Absolutely flat out refused. Dylan Brooks ended this game 5 of 19 from the field, 2 of 9 from 3. And just in in pivotal moments when they needed shot making, just what thought it was his time to go, hit him with the full um, you know, white chocolate from along came Polly and was just chucking up bricks. And that was that. So that bailed the Warriors out in this one, and they've got time to kind of refocus, do the thing. And even if Ja comes back, he's coming back off an injury to his lower body for a guy that dynamic. He can't be thinking about anything to go out and play the way Ja does and to have a refocused Warriors team that's probably embarrassed and is going to get pissed off Steve Kerr that gets to come back in and do every coach's favorite thing, which is coach you hard as hell after a win. Mm, like yes. he gets to, and be, also after yeah. he after he was absent, when the, when the teacher comes back after it was a sub for a day, it's like, what are y'all doing? So it's like, okay, relax. We was here, you know what I'm saying? You wasn't here, we was here. To take the dial back a little bit, and, and speaking of that, talking about uh, role players, shout out to Mike Brown who got a new job uh, for the Sacramento Kings yep. the same day where he had to step in for Steve Kerr and be the head coach. And I think uh, there's some familiarity with the Warriors and Mike Brown. He's been there for a very long time. Uh, Steve, uh, Steph Curry whispered something in his ear that, you know, that only – it was an inside joke. Only the two of them would really laugh about. Uh, so it's not important for us to dive too much into. But shouts out to him uh, winning a game in Northern California – Probably one of his last, even though he's going to be coaching in Northern California for the Sacramento Kings. So, uh, just want to—I I, just—I like—I like like to see a brother out there smiling, doing his thing. And, and shouts out to Mike Brown, man. He he stepped in when he's supposed to. His number was called. He didn't have no spicy pork or anything that was that was going to throw him off his game. And he 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 made sure the Warriors got to got their victory. I, I believe now Mike Brown is still undefeated when stepping in as the Warriors head coach in the playoffs. Because you brought Ooh. this up off air, and I went back and looked it up during the 2016-2017 playoffs when Steve Kerr was out the Warriors were 12-0 under Mike Brown now everyone can say what they want you know that's the same Warriors team that at one point core wise dragged Luke Walton all those wins that made him look great too like right it was that got him a job at the Sacramento or was it Lakers Oh, that was the Lakers. Yeah, the like, yeah, yeah which but, was the Kings at that point in time. But hey, listen, Mike Brown still had to go out there and do it. That was a tough one tonight, and undefeated is undefeated is undefeated. So congrats to Mike mm-hmm. Brown on that one out here balling. Now, again, that series is over. 
The Bucks and Celtics series is probably going to go the distance. Obviously, coming up tonight, the Heat are going to get back in on this action here. That series is tied to a piece. Dallas Phoenix is tied to a piece. And all those feel like, especially based on how different road and home has been for these guys, anybody could go the distance. Anybody could win those series. I'm still probably picking the Heat and the Suns going with chalk on that, but it's become wide open on that. So we'll have plenty of time to get to those series, Brandon, but we also had a little bit of hardware leak out yesterday. You started to see the reports come out that Nikola Jokic would in fact be now just the 15th two-time NBA MVP in the history of the league here. And I am still amazed at how many people have the time and the energy to come out here and slander Nikola Jokic. Like, I can understand, Brandon, if you're a 76ers fan because you believe Joel Embiid has been robbed of an award that's rightly his for a while now, that Mm -hmm. he has been so dynamic and important for your team, and you're right. But my God, like so many of the same things can be said for Nikola Jokic, who was dealing with like even more adversity around him roster wise during the course of this season. Yeah, I, I don't understand the hate in particular. Obviously, there's all kinds of different narratives and there's always going to be a top three that possibly could get the, the MVP award of the NBA at the end of the year. But the reason I'm a fan of him getting Unanimous, or, or not unanimous, that's a whole other category, yeah. uh, Steph Curry category, uh, but winning MVP yet again is because I think the best player in basketball should win that. Uh, narrative aside, whoever's going out there being most consistent, whoever goes at, at the end of the day, uh, what was that, that season that Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double? Yeah, like if somebody's going out there and being dominant, give the best player the MVP award. So I'm – I'm okay with this because there's a lot of MVP awards out there, in my opinion, that LeBron James should have collected, Kobe Bryant should have collected, could have collected. Uh, there's another big NBA star that only has one uh, MVP out there. But So I'm a fan that they just got it right, in my opinion. I don't care that it's a boring town uh, with the Denver Nuggets. I don't care that the team is, is rarely uh, relevant because Jamal Murray can't stay healthy. All I care about is that the best player got it. And I think that was the case. Well, and and, like, I think this is always like a vibes based thing. It's like saying a top five NFL quarterback. Like, I'm usually going to name more than five because it's more of like a mindset. And we were fortunate to have, we're fortunate to have this extreme well of talented players. And not for nothing, I think it's pretty cool that basically when you talked about the top three in the MVP race this year, you were talking about three bigs, more or less. Like Giannis is, I mean, what, a stretch five, basically? I understand he's been a ball handler for them, but we started talking about him last postseason as a big, almost, the dominance akin to someone like Shaquille O'Neal. So for it to be three guys that are technically big men... I think is awesome for an NBA that we know had been changed mathematically a while ago because you've Mm -hmm. seen what it's taken. You have now seen these gigantic space alien bodies adjust to all this. And I know we're going to give the freak show stuff much more to Giannis and Joel Embiid. Like I think part of this is Nikola Jokic isn't exactly the most aesthetically pleasing style, right? He's incredibly gifted and skilled, but he doesn't look like someone that looks like the caliber of athlete of the other two. And so it makes it a little difficult. People get obsessed because, you know, the Nikola Jokic defenders tend to point to stuff like VORP or player efficiency rating. I, you know, mm-hmm. I hear Bamani Jones talk all the time. One of the most predictive stats for MVP tends to be win shares per 48. Nikola Jokic was number one in that this year. Not for nothing, Giannis was number two. And Joel Embiid was down at five in that category. But... You know, there's all this debate. You see the meme going around all the time of the guy looking at the wall inside the train and the guy looking out at the sunshine, where yes. it's like stat nerds or that boy nice game watchers. Like, right, right, a right. lot of people want to look at this and just boil it down to Joel Embiid's team was better. He's clearly incredibly important based off what we've seen in the playoffs versus Nikola Jokic was on a team that was the sixth seed in the West. Even though Jamal Murray did not play a single game this season, Michael Porter Jr. only played nine games this season, and somehow they were still even in this postseason party. Like, 
without him, that's not even a team that probably flirts with the play-in. So I, I feel like it's not something that, again, unless you're, if you're a Philly fan, be my guest. Be pissed off in the name of Joel Embiid, who's out there giving it his all, playing with a broken face, all this stuff. But I find it hard to shed tears because a guy of the caliber of Nikola Jokic won again. Yeah, but also that's where you get kind of hairy because you're like talking about Mad Libs. Uh, we'll get to that later on the show. But like remove Nikola Jokic's name and add Joel Embiid and what the team would be without them. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing. We, we, we're already getting little glimpses of what the Sixers are without Joel Embiid, and they need him. And he is an MVP level for that franchise and for that team. But there's going to be multiple, there's gonna be multiple ballers. There's going to be multiple ballers, and you can only pick one. I'm mad at every time they, they set it on James Harden uh, for the MVP. So everybody's not going to get what they want. No, the one thing I will say too, because I, I think I heard Nick Wright bring this up um, when he was on Game Theory with Bamani Jones, saying that Nikola Jokic being just one of 15 players in NBA history to win the MVP twice when you line him up next to the rest of those people should not compare in that way. That to me shouldn't factor into how we think about this. It's what you said. It is who was the best this year or who was someone that we could talk about in that breath and that top couple for best this year, like factoring in, well, we might enter him into some conversations that maybe we don't feel like he belongs with doesn't feel like an accurate criteria or a worthwhile criteria for voting on this. No, like, yeah, let's not play the LeBron James versus Michael Jordan one-on-one game. Uh, I know Shaq and Rudy Gobert are playing it right now. Oh, God. Because uh, Rudy Gobert is claiming that he would have locked Shaq's ass up uh, defending him, which is just comical. Because guess what? Shaq played against a a good version of you. His name was Sean Bradley. Uh, But I just – I don't like this – the oh, well, if we – if we – if we say that he's as – listen, he won MVP twice. He deserved it. He's a, he's a great basketball player. He, he's a, he looks like a twin mattress out there with, 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 with arms uh, throwing the ball around. And, yeah, if we're going to hold that against him, you can hold it against him in a time where the NBA is most skilled possible. One of the most skilled players is that big mother you, – you know, you know how I say it. Big, big mother lover. Yeah, big big my love a joker. Shout out to him. I, you know what? And, and we people started to do this last year for Joel Embiid. I hope maybe now the rallying cry for Jokic can turn into man. Jamal Murray, hopefully he gets back healthy, but they need to start doing right in Denver by a guy that is proving to be a generational type player in the middle of that team. So. If he can even make us pay attention for a minute to the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic has done his service to that team, to society, and to the Western Conference in the NBA. So plenty of that, plenty more NBA coming up tonight that we'll be able to look forward to. But we get a chance to talk some NFL today. The NFL schedule release is starting to trickle out this week, like we said. And we got a chance to talk to our good buddy, former Buffalo Bills center and current radio announcer for the Bills, Eric Wood, joining us now. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? Well, with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot in an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code GOJO. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code GOJO only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, since we've got NFL in the news, very excited to get one of our close personal friends here on the podcast. Eric Wood joining us now, former Bills Pro Bowl center, current Bills radio color commentator, and the host of What's Next with Eric Wood wherever you get your podcasts. But 
would to me like, and I have to explain this to people all the time that I got to know you when you were working at the ACC network at ESPN in conjunction there through our mutual friend, Kyle Rudolph, who's, you know, a fellow West sider, fellow elder high school alum in Cincinnati, but you and I, it seems like every time we get together specifically at a wedding seem to have a better time than most. Like you are the only person I've ever met who I think is as good or better at being a wedding guest than I am. Well, I appreciate you saying that we're either a match made in heaven or a match made in hell for a wedding (laughs) host, uh, because it's been neither of our weddings either. So we're literally just, uh, taking over, whether it's you doing a dancing act for the bride or me taking the microphone from whoever's doing the entertainment, whether that's a DJ or a band, um, we're, probably going to rip an article of clothing it's probably going to be our pants dancing but we're going to bring we're going to bring the energy that's right wood what's your go-to song for that was it friends in low places no i I am should have been a cowboy i mean i could do low places and like people want to hear that but to me like when you hear garth play in seeing friends in low places you're like that's what it was supposed to sound like we've heard it covered so many times over the years at bars and everybody thinks that they can sing it and then you hear garth sing it again and you're like oh man that really is a good song and he is so musically in and vocally gifted but it's just been trashed over the years it really is impressive to see Wood dominate a stage somewhere. Now you're coming off. You're you're in Louisville. You're coming off Derby Weekend here. Did we get on the mic anywhere? What was the uh, what was the level of party time for Derby Weekend this year? So I actually was supposed to be on the microphone late Saturday night at a neighbor's house, and I went to bed. Um, I three days caught up to me and I hit a wall on the way home from the track. And maybe it's, maybe it's being 36 now and knowing that our kids are getting up and all that. But, um, but I'm also, yeah, I'm also not that mature, but it was just been three days in a row. So uh, no microphones. I was at the Jake Owen concert. We were backstage with him beforehand, but he didn't offer up the microphone. That was probably my other opportunity to get on there. You know what? That is his loss then if he did not make that decision. That is all I can say at this point. Knowing from experience, if you have the chance to get Eric Wood on stage with you singing somewhere, you got to take that opportunity. When you saw me at my best and that in Nashville, like with those cover bands, like in that atmosphere, like that's they could make anybody look good. And so you've truly seen me at my best. That is that is true. Eric and I both on the call, him on TV, me on radio for the Music City Bowl in Nashville. Louisville was playing in the game. And yes, saw you in your full element on broad down there just getting after it. So I will I'll have that image in my head for a long time here. Let's let's get to the image coming up this NFL season. Well, I gotta just, I gotta okay. ask you one, I gotta ask one thing. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. As a podcast host, sometimes it's hard for me to give up the reins too. I love but it. I just got to know your sister just got married. What kind of performance do you put on? Like, is it okay? Now my parents are there. All of my family. Did Mike Jr. kind of shy away from the action, or how'd that work out? I, I tell you, Wood, it was as proud as I've ever been. So. I went in kind of ready to have to be that guy on the dance floor. I got to be the efficient of this wedding. So I literally married my sister and my now brother-in-law, Ben. And it was awesome. It was great to be a part of it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and take a step back and feel this one out. Make sure, all right, are people getting out to the dance floor? I was so proud that dance floor was never not packed. And you mentioned, you know, the dance that I had done for brides and friends of ours in the past they're going out pony by genuine might come on all these things that might get wild out there well you can't do it for your sister no exactly and (laughs) so you can imagine how triggering this was when all of a sudden i heard that song come on and i realized oh my god this is for my brother-in-law to go up here and do that dance for the garter toss with my Mm. sister and I got to say, while, again, you know, it's my sister, so there's there's no part of this that isn't uncomfortable, 
I was proud of the job that my now brother-in-law did dancing to that song. <laughs> really did it justice. Really made me proud and got the crowd pretty hyped. So I got to I got to sit this one out, and I was pretty surprised and pretty proud of what I saw. Well, welcome to the family, bud. You earned your stripes finally. I was going to say I would have guessed that either Trevor or maybe Braxton would have done it. Like I don't think Rudy would have stepped out and done it, but maybe one of the two of them. Yeah, no, I, I was waiting for one of those guys, and thankfully, we didn't have to get to that point. So they were all present and activated there. None of them had to step up to the plate for that particular moment to help out the bride. So good, we, we got that one down pat here. So yeah, it was a wedding you would have very much appreciated. And listen, it, you know, maybe at some point we'll get to do my wedding and all this. Mom, if you're listening, I'm trying, but yeah. Eric Wood will be on that dance floor microphone in hand. Well, I appreciate that. And maybe bring similar entertainment because I'm sure Darius brought the juice to the wedding. So that looked <sighs> incredible. Yeah, no, Dar Darius Rucker uh, singing your sister's first dance song is not something that you're going to forget for a while. So it, it's a tough act to follow. And I know, listen, we love, we love Darius. I'm sure at some point he's going to be on here ripping into me about the Dolphins, but See, he likes my sister way better than me, so I can't count on him to sing at my wedding. So that's why I've got to recruit you now to do this because I know in. that's not on the table. I'm in, and I can I can bring some people to the table. Like I don't know that I can bring Darius Rucker, but I can bring like maybe a little further down the uh, like we're not going like a list '90s reinvents himself as a absolute superstar country singer, but like we might be able to get like some pretty decent up and comers, which usually they bring a little bit more of the party anyways. Well, exactly. We want volunteers, not hostages, right? So if we've got some people that got a little more energy about them, and I mean, they've got the perfect leader in this in you, feels like we're on the right track for this. So we'll keep this I, momentum going. Leslie still has not done a retirement party for me, which is completely justified considering we found out my career was over the same day my son was born. Wow. And there was all that awkwardness around like, well, the bills haven't truly cut me, so I can't say I'm retired. And then I just kind of started working and during football, all that being said, um, I told her whenever that time comes, just the talent budget is six figures. And I didn't specify like, just go for it, babe, just go for it. Oh, uh, there were, see, that's the best part about it too, is you just, you treat it, no salary cap in this thing. You kind of give it a ballpark and you just let it ride. That is yep. absolutely the right way to do this because you only get one of these now. And so you might as well blow it out. You've earned that. Yeah, no doubt about it. My, my next career, there, there likely won't be a big time retirement party. Hopefully I'm doing podcasts and broadcasting till way after anyone would care that I was retired anyways. There Amen. we go. A good, a good long career on both fronts there after the stellar career in the NFL with the Bills that we will celebrate at some point. But let's celebrate the Bills of this upcoming season because the NFL schedule is rolling out this week. We got the first little peek at it, and the news about the Bills being part of a Monday night football doubleheader in week two. So We've got that to look forward to. It'll be a rematch of the Bills-Titans that we saw last year, really close game, followed by the, or by the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles. But what, just in general for, for the Bills, I, we remember a few years ago where there was all the hoopla about the Bills breaking, breaking the playoff drought, getting back to that point. What's this offseason felt like after all the positive momentum from that game of the century type feel with the chiefs in the playoffs last year. Well, I'll say this. I believe everyone in Western New York, and that includes people within the franchise feel like if there's not some very unfortunate circumstances at the end of that one, they're likely the Super Bowl favorite. You're hosting Cincinnati the next week and they really like their chances to go win it all. So now it's, it's not mortgage of the franchise to go all in and kind of, do what the Rams have done and trade away all your assets to go get somebody. But they realized certain things that they needed, and one of which was a big-time pass rusher. For the last couple of years in the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes knocks them out of the playoffs, and he's just kind of running around at will. And where the Bills have the number one defense in the league last year, you know, throughout, throughout the season, they're the number one defense in the league, and they had eight really good defensive linemen that come at you in waves. And where that really works for an entire season, in a one specific instance, when you got to get a quarterback down, they needed somebody. So they go out and they pay Von Miller, 
which is a big get for the Bills. And, and I'll just tell you this. Like, I took my family to Disney World recently, going to the Kentucky Derby last week. The Bills are cool now. And it's not like – like, it's confirmed <laughs> publicly, too. And, and part of the reason I know that is because not everyone recognizes me anymore. And I say that because for the longest time, everyone from Western New York, they know at what they knew who every person on the team was. So they recognize everybody. Now the Bills are kind of this national brand to where, like, they're not going to recognize some former – offensive lineman and so um the bills are cool they get von miller and they see him as kind of like that pass rusher that they truly needed um but this team is stacked and and i'd argue that they were the most talented team in the league last year and and they just truly added to it this year i tell you what bills fans not knowing who you are it's just some time removed maybe some young fans running around there because obviously you're a staple uh on that offense a staple of that team turning it around uh, first round, former first round draft pick. We just came off the draft. How are the Bills feeling about the draft? Like what what pieces got added to make this championship team actually end up in the Super Bowl this year? Well, they go in to get their cornerback in the first round that they need. If you're looking at this defense, if you're looking at this Bills team, if there's one hole, they let Levi Wallace walk in, in free agency. So they needed a corner. They, they addressed that in round one. And Brandon Bean said after – they, they selected him. They said, look, now we're free. Now we can kind of go take some, some, some players that we just want to go out and take. We don't have to specifically go address that cornerback position anymore. And so they took um, James Cook, the running back from Jordan, in the second round, and he kind of fits that new age. Okay, he can split out at receiver, make over-the-shoulder catches, but he's also dynamic in the backfield. You know, they go out and they draft a punter in round six, I believe. You know, so they, they just drafted some guys that, you know, to them, the, you're, you're just kind of swinging for the fences. And, you know, what Brandon Bean has done, honestly, like I, I played in the longest playoff drought in all the professional sports at the time. And I'm not saying we were completely mismanaged, but what Brandon Bean has done and just trying to win in the short term, but always understanding, like, we're not going to mortgage everything for the long term as well. Like, we want to have sustained success here it has been a thing to see. Yeah, I mean, listen, and part of that process brought you not just any punter in the sixth round, but Matt Areza, the punt god from punt San god. Diego State. So, as if the Bills weren't already cool enough, you took college football's favorite player from this last year and brought him up to New York. So, everyone very excited for that one. I mean, going for the fences, you've got one of the biggest arms in football in Josh Allen and now maybe the biggest leg in, foot, in football in Matt Areza. So, you guys are living large. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I'm trying to think if there's any other like superlatives with the Bills, and and I'm not thinking one off the top of my head. Like if they had the biggest or greatest, anything else? They they have Spencer Brown's maybe the tallest right tackle. In yeah, that is true. That's a big big fella in there. But it, I mentioned Josh Allen. He's been really part of, I think, that cool factor, right? You bet on this kid coming out of Wyoming, improved on his completion percentage, seemingly did what so many people thought was impossible in that process. We also know in there, though, how important Brian Dable was to his development. They thought there might have been a chance he left last year. He now leaves and takes that job with the New York Giants as the head coach. So Ken Dorsey in an offensive coordinator – how big is that? Is there any worry for Josh that so much of the success that he has had was tied to Brian Dable, or is this a relationship they think can work? I don't think there's a lot of worry, and maybe there should be more because really within the building and everyone, uh, all the buzz around Western New York is that they're, they're not that concerned. Ken Dorsey's been there for the last three or four years, so he's been in that system. He understands what Josh does well. I, uh, the only concern on my end, would be his prior experience in Carolina, but he's even publicly talked about, like he's not going to run Josh Allen like Cam Newton. They saw what they did to him later in his career, and he took a lot of bumps and bruises to get them to the Super Bowl and win an NFL MVP. But you're kind of looking at that in, again, a short-sighted way. They brought in, actually, my old offensive line coach with the Bills, Aaron Cromer, bring him back in. He has offensive coordinator experience. So that helps out as well on that side of the ball. But um, 
you mentioned what what Josh Allen has done from a career trajectory. No one's ever done. No one's ever been last in the NFL in completion percentage for two straight years and then go to top five. That just it's never happened. And when you're looking at quarterbacks, they have to be able to complete the ball like completion percentage becomes such um, a, a valuable thing in the NFL and where the Josh Allen early in his career had these super highs and got everybody excited. You just always thought, man, if he can never hit those bunnies, then you can't move the ball consistently enough to win and, and, and get to the playoffs and win ultimately win a Super Bowl. He's worked his tail off. He works with Jordan Palmar all offseason. The stability within the organization is a huge thing surrounding him with tons of talent and then you know, letting him kind of grow into all this, like let him make some mistakes early on, see what works. And now you're just seeing this ultra competitive 6'5", 245 pound dude with an absolute cannon who can also hit the bunnies and the checkdowns and, and everything in between. And, and I'll tell you what, I tell the story about Josh Allen all the time. Josh Allen was 23 at the time. My son's turning three years old. This is about a year and a half ago. It's playoff time so I texted him on a Monday and I said for some reason my son thinks you're coming to his birthday this week if you have any time this week and could shoot him a video I'd appreciate it and if you completely ignore this text I'll never think anything differently of you good luck this week he sends me a video back wishing Garrett happy birthday and then he shoots me a text real quick and said wait wait I can do better than that starts going around the locker room he's doing a better video and I'm like you know what he's an absolute savage on the field but like an even better dude. And for me, I was extended my last year knowing that they were going to take a first round quarterback. So it would have been really cool to, to, to play with Josh Allen to kind of mentor him towards the later part of my career. But I'll tell you what, there is no accident why the dudes love playing with him so much and why guys are coming to Western New York. They're paying higher taxes than even the dudes that get to live in Manhattan and they're coming and staying in Buffalo and, and you know what? It's it's a fun time to be there right now. Josh Allen has been one of the bright spots of the NFL since he got in. You talk about all the, the big plays he's made. Me watching him play, I get a little nervous. The What happened with Andrew Luck, him kind of uh, beating himself down. But he seems to be the Superman of quarterbacks in a, in a very real way. Can throw it, run it, do anything, put the game on his back. What does Bills Mafia think about their quarterback walking into the league? Are they thinking they have a top three, top five? He's definitely a top 10. Like Bills Mafia has this, I imagine, usually has this kind of dragging their feet going into the season. But now they have one of the best quarterbacks in the game. And this is a, a, a league now that has the likes of a Joe Burrow, the likes of a Justin Herbert. Still within, within all that, Patrick Mahomes, people would still put their money on Josh Allen. Like how is that affecting Bills Mafia? I mean, Bill, Bill's Mafia absolutely loves Josh Allen. He's everything they want, including just being a down-to-earth, like, yes, he's from California, but he's from Clovis. He's from the farm area. Like, and he's embraced Buffalo perfectly. Like, everything he's done since the second he got there. So, Bill's Mafia absolutely loves him. I mean, if I'm ranking quarterbacks, it's so hard to say because if you're taking someone right now to run your franchise moving forward at their current age, I mean – it's it's Burrow, Allen, or Mahomes, right? I mean, Herbert, you know, there, there's maybe a couple others you throw in there. But then, like, later on, you know, are you still taking a Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers? Russell Wilson, kind of, like, right in the middle, like, age and trajectory-wise. But all that being said, there is an absolutely loaded AFC this year with quarterbacks, and especially young guys. I mean, uh, Brandon, our guy from Louisville, Lamar Jackson – Man. Just an absolute stud. Um, and then you bring in Deshaun Watson, and, and I know that tomorrow there's going to be a some type of hearing. And so at some point we'll get some clarity on all this. You, you pay the dude the most guaranteed money in the history of the NFL, not knowing that he could play this year, just a classic Browns move. But that is <laughs> – <Yeah>. but absolutely, <laughs> if, it, if it works out, that's a generational talent that just falls into your lap. It's so true. You mentioned the AFC just looks like the Thunderdome this year with really the aging quarterbacks you talked about, the only ones manning the NFC. But as they sit right now, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, the Bills, the favorite to win the AFC at plus 330, the favorites to win the Super Bowl right now at plus 650. So it, 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 listen, 
it's as good a time as I can remember to be a Phil Bills fan. So excited to see what this seat, uh, team has going this season. Again, part of that Monday Night Football doubleheader week two and on the radio call for the Bills all season long, you're going to hear our guy, Eric Wood. Wood, we appreciate you giving us some time, buddy. I'm sure we'll talk to you plenty more as we get closer to football season and the potential wedding extravaganza and the retirement party extravaganza. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that is uh, that would be an absolute pleasure. Uh, congrats on the podcast, guys. Uh, can't it. wait to see where this goes. You got two, two young superstars. It's going to be a lot of fun. Kind words. <laughs> we appreciate it, buddy. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you real soon, all right? All right, great stuff from famed wedding singer Eric Wood. Lots <laughs> and lots that we had going on. But, Brandon, thankfully we saved some time to clear out call ISO and save the best for last here. Let's get to this, that, and the third because we have a busy slate with this one. And I want to start it off, Brandon, with this, something I am very passionate about. This is a podcast that certainly plays by its gut, but we appreciate good numbers around here. mm that definitely applies to jersey numbers. Now, earlier in the day, a tweet went out from Jets defensive back, their rookie first-round pick, their top overall pick in Sauce Gardner. Now, as I look, this tweet has since been deleted. Ooh. But Gardner, who was seen photographed, they put out the list of the rookie dra uh, Jets draft picks jersey numbers. And Sauce Gardner was seen wearing 20. Brees Hall had 35. Objectively whack numbers for the caliber of player and the caliber of athlete that they had going on. And Sauce tweeted out earlier in a tweet that has since been deleted, telling Jets fans to not order his jersey in quotes number 20 and that he's not sure what number he's going to wear by the time the season starts but to stay tuned in all of that now sauce wore I believe the single digit one when he was at Cincinnati which is swagged out he's tall and skinny it works well with his body type but Brandon this to me is the important stuff here I said Jets the team the franchise earned whatever losses came their way this fall by making athletes of those caliber wear such objectively whack numbers because that's a real thing. You look good, you feel good. You feel good, you play good. You play good, they pay good. You pay good, you live good. That might be it, even if it doesn't rhyme, Brandon. It's that important. You break a rhyme scheme for it. Thank you, yes, exactly. So I'm, I'm with Sauce. But I think I don't hate 20. I feel like I do understand ugly jersey numbers. I do understand how it'll take over everything. But rookies, 20, Jets, it kind of fits. It kind of fits. It's almost like when uh, Mac Jones started with the Patriots and he was out there throwing in a, a red 59 jersey. Like, like it, it, it's, almost, it's almost humbling. It's almost telling your star, you ain't nobody. Here's a penny. Make it work. Well, that works when you're the Patriots. I don't know if that has the same effect when you're the Jets. Like, Fair. you need him to be somebody and believe he is somebody quickly. Very quickly. And for the man in Sauce Gardner that was seen in video showing Woody Johnson, their owner, his diamond bling, uh, blinged out actual sauce bottle medallion he was wearing around his neck... That man should be in single digits. And this begged a larger question, Brandon, because you mentioned one of them there. I think that there are some clearly defined worst numbers to be on a football jersey here. And I threw this out to the Twitterverse, at Mike Golick Jr. on Twitter for a poll. What is the worst jersey number in football? I think there's a clear hierarchy in five. At number five, I had jersey number 47. Right. At number four, jersey number 29. And then the top three, 31 is sitting at three, 59 at number two, and number one, this one is deeply personal, I had 67. I wore 67. I will never forget this, Brandon. When I got to training camp as a rookie with the Pittsburgh Steelers and I saw the jersey in my locker room, I was real excited until I realized two things. Number one, I was wearing number 67, which is objectively a whack number. It's bad. It doesn't look good. There's too Not many great. angles going on. Mm -hmm. And number two, there was also a rookie undrafted defensive lineman who had number 67. And as Ooh. was pointed out to both of us, they don't have two 67s on the roster in the NFL. This ain't college. They know one of you's not going to be here. Wow. That's simple. It's like 
here's the bottom of the pool. Here's the bottom of the pool jersey. Here's a fork. Fight it out. Yes. This was this was in the dark night when the Joker breaks the pool cue in half and throws it at the two guys that are going to fight to the death to join the crew. That was yes. where we were at that point in camp. Now, according to the poll, I put 67, 59, 31, and other on the poll. And right now, 59, no disrespect to Luke Keekley, who I did, heard did a great job mm. on NFL Live yesterday, but 59 in a commanding lead with 45.6% of the vote. So I think that's well-earned. That's another one. Ugly number. I figured something in the 50s might have a chance. Yeah, but that people don't realize that's 67. And you said it with the angles there. It's just... It's just uh, it's a yin and yang that doesn't go together. It, it just doesn't it doesn't work. And people don't know, but that's the worst one. That's the worst one. And I saw Phil Yates uh, engaged in this Twitter poll. Forty seven. Shout out to John Lynch. Shout out to John Lynch. Shout out to NFL Blitz. Like I think he singly handled singly handedly. He single handedly. <laughs> singly handedly. He single-handedly made that jersey number cool, and that happens all the time. Oh, absolutely. If you overcome, and that, again, the Luke Keekley factor, if yes. you overcome that number, Luke Keekley, despite being like, he gets all the white euphemisms for a linebacker, that guy's a freak athlete. He's like Andrew yeah. Luck, where he does not look in those ways. He looks white and nerdy. Freak athlete. He made 59 look way faster and more athletic than it ever had any right to be, so... Shout out to those guys for overcoming their limitations in that regard. <laughs> Brandon, as we move on to that, we've got this. Balenciaga is at it. I was actually having this conversation with friend of the program, Mina Kimes, today, trying to explain that designer fashion mm -hmm. co-opted the beat-up sneaker look a few years ago and Ooh. has been running with it ever since, where you've got these intentionally distressed sneakers that they've tried to put in here. Well, Balenciaga is selling destroyed sneakers for $1,850. They basically look like Chuck Taylors that got lit on fire. Now, according to, this is Paper Mag, um, they're not actually selling their new Paris sneaker that looks completely burned out. It's an exaggerated version of the Distress shoe that's part of their new campaign to sell the shoe. According to release, the still life portraits of the very dirty shoes are meant to suggest the new Paris sneakers are, quote, meant to be worn for a lifetime. There are, however, a hundred, quote, extra destroyed sneakers available for sale in black or white, and they're not nearly as tattered as the extreme fake campaign-styled ones. Now, they are still $1,850 for mildly stressed shoes, but the brand's new Paris range also has styles that are under $700 and much less worn out here. Brandon, I, this can be as well-intentioned as it want. I read a bunch of stuff online about what it's supposed to symbolize and all of that. My favorite pair of sneakers is the Air Max 97.1 Sean Watherspoon that's corduroy that's designed like this to be worn and broken in. That being said, using that as an excuse to charge me uh, basically a mortgage payment and then some on this is just, even for me, always going to be a bridge too far. I don't know. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I like the uh, the little B style of uh, of shoe collection. I don't know if you remember, but uh, little B, the bass guy, he is infamous for wearing the same pair of Vans that he wore in his uh, the packs. Got got your Vans on, but they look like sneakers music video. Uh -huh. And he just wears the same pair of shoes, and they're worn in. And I and there's a pressure when you get these new shoes to keep them clean. Keep them in a box, but when you get them already tattered, already already a little bit a little bit worn, you got to pay for that. You got to pay. You got to pay to get designer designer this designer destroyed luxury shoes. Brandon, I'll say this. This is clearly a place where we can exploit a market inefficiency then because if you want designer shoes that are beat up and you wear a size 14, hell, really, if you wear like a 13 and above, I can make it work. 
I'll beat the shit out of them for you. I will personally do that. That way you'll have even more of a one-of-one. You're not getting this distressed stuff with Balenciaga's probably doing in some sort of assembly line format. I'll do it for you personally. I will literally walk a mile in your shoes. What a program that might be. See, I think we're on to something here. Yeah, you, you, you might... You. We might actually be on to something. And I don't I don't hate the shoes. I get it. It's like, buy them and wear them forever. That's what, that's what they're made for. It's a great message. And again, I can't really say much about this because I paid way above market for those Watherspoons. So who am I to cast the first stone? But man, at some point, like we got the simulation is glitching hard right now. And we need to notice <laughs> that. Which, Brandon, brings us to the third. This is the most important thing on the internet right now. Mm. The fact that we had to wait this long to talk about it makes me sad. But this is the one. We're going to clear out and run ISO on this. I just want to read you the title of this article first. Because it reads like a Mad Lib. Dolly Parton to star in a musical on TikTok about Taco Bell's Mexican pizza. It's perfect. It's perfect in every way. So let's give everyone the background on this. Now, in 2020, Taco Bell discontinued a longtime favorite menu item of the taco pizza. It was a perfect late night snack. It was something so... Mexican pizza. Mexican pizza, excuse me. Mexican pizza. Of course. course. It, It was... The perfect Taco Bell menu item. When you think of fourth meal, when you think of the Baja Blast, you thought of going there and not just ordering Mexican food that you can get in any other restaurant. No, the Mexican pizza was so unique to that thing. So huge groundswell. I remember being mad online about it. I remember screaming about it on radio, all these things. So fast forward a little bit. Doja Cat, at some point bored during the pandemic, put out a catchy jingle on social media over a beat that she made purely to express her love for the departed Mexican pizza. That led to TikTok star Victor Kunda's viral video in March parodying that as if he were at the dress rehearsal for a musical based on Doja Cat's Mexican pizza song. All of this... Leads to Dolly Parton, who had said and been interviewed in a magazine on record of saying she's a fan of the Mexican pizza, is now going to star in this musical. Apparently, TikTok musicals have become a thing. There's a little bit of a niche for this. Taco Bell's musical is written by Hannah Friedman with music by Grammy award-winning songwriting duel Abigail Barlow and Emily Bear. It will be released at 8 p.m. Eastern on May 26, a week after Mexican pizza returns to the Taco Bell menu. That, Brandon, is the real beauty in all of this. Is this groundswell of internet support actually accomplished some good, which is getting the right food back in the hands of drunks and stoners. <laughs> I mean, you said it perfectly. I really don't even know how to follow up with that. I, I do love that Dolly Parton is playing a, a, a key role in this, as well as Doja Cat, which I'm sure in in every world of existence, Doja Cat was just praying that Dolly Parton would come and, and co-sign just one of her ideas. The fact that it's something that will mean so much to so many people like now if we're if we're switching it up if we're bringing things back i know i need the nokato taco bell dog back too you know the chihuahua just just go ahead and bring him back just go ahead and bring him back and introduce have him introduce the mexican pizza to everyone and i imagine that little chihuahua on tiktok i can see the filters already Oh, it would be the perfect viral trend. It would be the perfect bit of nostalgia marketing. Like, you're right. You bring Dolly Parton on because, quite honestly, I feel like she's going to start to get even more of the, like, Betty White level love, God rest her soul, that we used to have for beloved older woman who goes and does and is a part of moments like this. So, I think understands and respects the culture. Yes, yes, a very important part of this, like very unproblematic in the way they go about their business. Pretty much universally loved, regardless of you know race, cl- creed, class, what have you. 
So, Brandon, there is also another opportunity in all this, though, because, again, while I want everything to do with the Taco Bell musical, I'm kind of sad because, as indicated, Dolly Parton has tweeted pictures of the script for the Mexican pizza musical. I I feel like we missed our opportunity to be a part of this, so we'll have to get the sequel. Hopefully, this is like Sharknado, where they just absorb more and more lower, lower tier celebrities into this as they draw interest. Sign us up for that one, but... In the meantime, everyone said it, this headline reads like a Mad Lib. So, we've got it here, and I've got some pretty good tweets on this one. The Mad Lib is, Celebrity is starring in a type of film about restaurants, nationality, food item, that will premiere on digital platform later this month. Stop. So, here's what we got so far. At Waves of Ben tweets in. Wages of Ben tweets in. Christopher Walken is starring in a historical period drama about Western Sizzlin' Portuguese Clams Casino that will premiere on Tubi later this month. Spencer Hall, friend of the show, according to The Queso. Spencer Hall is starring in a romantic comedy about the French Laundry's Swiss cheese tray that will premiere on ESPN Plus later this Mm. month. Mm. Let me get, there's a couple more here. Uh, Courtesy of T. Blasco 58, Cher is starring in a mockumentary about Sabaro's adventure into Korean boiled cabbage that will premiere on (laughs) CNN Plus. R.I.P. R.I.P. CNN Plus. Damn. I will remember you. Um, here we go. Two more. Max Makes Wine tweets in. Jake Gyllenhaal is starring in an animated short film about McDonald's Indian Big Mac that will premiere on Hulu later this month. Oh, man. And that, finally. I might, might want to see that one the most. That, that, that was the one that's getting closer to my uh, Mexican pizza musical entrance uh, interest with well, Dolly Parton. I think I can do you one closer to home and one that might actually be doable at some point ooh, here. Ooh, okay, okay. Courtesy of at Ja Fowler 85, Mike Golick Jr. is starring in a documentary about Duke's mayonnaise that will premiere on YouTube later this month. Doesn't sound crazy. Hey, talking about period pieces. I like where that's going. I'm saying, man, we can get everyone to sit down for this documentary. Shane Beamer, head coach of South Carolina. The Dukes Mayo Bowl people there. Miller Yoho, who runs their social handle. Anish Shroff. Dion Warwick, who was mad online about me doing all of this. It's right there for everyone to take, Brandon. We just need someone to be brave enough to walk through the door with us. Yeah, like, hey, I think this Mexican pizza musical might open some doors. You know, people seeing what's possible. What's out there? I think we need to do a deep dive into this musical TikTok world, though. See, see if we can re- reverse engineer some of the things that we love the most. What's a what's a uh, what's something that you would bring back? Ooh, you know what? This is a good one for us to crowdsource here. If you've got an ideal for a TikTok yes. musical that me and Brandon can be a part of here, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm going to shamelessly use this to give you re- make you review our podcast. I love it on Apple Podcasts. Five-star ratings. Leave us your best pitch for a TikTok musical that Brandon and I can be a part of or the TikTok musical that you would like to pitch to a celebrity of your choice. The best ones will get read on air here. Again, this is a shameless ploy, but after seeing what you guys did with the Mad Libs, I have a lot of faith in the people of the internet, which is the most dangerous thing that I have said in quite some time. Thank you to everyone who has made it this far. God help and God rest your soul. If you enjoyed this, download, subscribe, rate, leave us a five-star rating, review this, like we said, with the prompt in mind, and maybe we'll talk to you tomorrow. See ya.